0: Well, one thing I've learned since becoming an Anglican is that Anglicans love to name their Sundays. And uh, there seems to be a a name for just about every Sunday. And today is, what's that? Low Sunday, Low Sunday. And, um, you know, traditionally it was to, uh, uh, the contrast between Easter Sunday and today, and the next Sunday. You know, the, the great celebration, the wonderful things that went on, and, and the excitement uh, to, to be in a worship service on, on Easter Sunday, and then by the next Sunday, everything gets back to normal, Low Sunday. It also uh, has come to mean, Low Sunday, that the attendance drops quite a bit after Easter Sunday. And so... Uh, In case Bishop Ron watches a little bit of this service, I wanted to assure him that this Sunday, because he can't see it with the camera and the way it is, but we have set up seats outside Bishop Ron. And a great crowd. I hope they can hear me outside, out there. But uh, that's a traditional thing too, that there's always a, a, a big letdown. I was listening this week, to a podcast of a couple Episcopal priests. I'm trying to find a sermon for today, you know, and so I'll look anywhere. And uh, they were, were talking, one is a pastor in New York City, and the other is a pastor in, in Waco, and they're talking about the Sunday after Easter. And one of them said it's also called the JV Sunday. And uh, they both were laughing, and they said, "Yeah, they as long and a, and a lot of their friends uh, who are pastors they don't preach the Sunday after Easter because they're just so wore out." And uh, and so the JV team comes in, and uh, as you can tell, Carter is not here today, so uh, we had to go to those who uh, couldn't make the team, and uh, so that's why you that's why you got me. But my favorite title for this Sunday is Quasimodo Sunday. That is, a, that is a name that when I was a little kid and I first saw the, the, the hunchback of being in Detroit, we did call it Notre Dame, not Dom, but uh, Notre Dame and, and uh, Quasimodo, man, that name just stuck with me. And, and it is today, Quasimodo Sunday. And uh, does anyone know what Quasimodo means? Some of you Latin scholars know. Almost what? Almost man. Well, it it is it ta- it's taken from the Introit uh, this morning. It's Latin for newborn babes, and so uh, this is the Newborn Babe Sunday. And w- what that refers to is that uh, traditionally in the in the early church, uh, and if you ever want to read about. The great baptisms they had uh, in the early church, you need to look that up. But uh, the new converts, those who were newly baptized on Easter Sunday, they wore their white garments, much like Bill sitting here. And uh, they wore their white garments all week long. And on Sunday, on low Sunday, Quasimodo Sunday, they, they, uh, they, they took their, their robes off, their white garments off. And so it was a big, uh, a big ceremony and, and uh, quite moving in those days. And you know, I I was thinking about, as I do a lot, Quasimodo Sunday, and being the new converts and, and those who were newly baptized, I've always, when I was pastoring, uh, especially, I just loved being around new converts. Those who had come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Those who, uh, in the Baptist church, they really got saved. You know, those kind of individuals. Every everything that they they read in the bible it's 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 they have no problem with i mean it, oh, yeah if 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 the bible says that it's got to be true and so they just go out and they do what they read in the bible they they pray and prayers get answered they have it's just a wonderful wonderful time in their life and maybe some of you can remember back that long ago when uh, when I mean, it was just great. I mean, even it was raining; it was like the sun shining. It was just a wonderful time because you were a brand new convert. I had uh, a a favorite old preacher that I loved listening to. Some of you who are Southern Baptists may remember Vance Havner. He, um, I used, I used to get those thirty-three and a third albums. Remember those? And uh, and he had a bunch of them, all of his sermons, and he. He was just kind of a, had the dry humor and it was just great. But I remember one sermon, he talks about uh, the new converts and how they get excited and they kind of bust through the doors on a Sunday morning. And, and uh, they're all excited about knowing Jesus Christ and, and being a Christian and being a follower of God. And all, the old, and, and all the old stalwarts of the church, those seasoned Christians, been a Christian long time. He says that he had seen them, they'll just roll their eyes when they see these new converts, you know, running around busy and all excited and smiling all the time. He says because they would roll their eyes and they would sit back because they knew within just a few weeks they would become just as miserable as they were. Now, it's low Sunday, and I'm not going to try to make you any lower than what you are right now. But it is low Sunday. And in the reading of 1 John chapter 5, we may find ourselves in who John wrote to. John was uh, writing for a specific reason and purpose. He was writing to those individuals who were Christians, who were believers already, but he was writing to make sure they knew that they were Christians. Proof positive that they were Christians. Now we find ourselves sometimes in our Christian life, life in general, we, we think that we and we believe that we're followers of Christ and yet we begin to question and doubt and, and things happen to us and we don't quite understand and it, and it affects us, it affects our emotions and it, we even think it affects our, our, our position, our place with God. And we might find ourselves this morning after the high of Easter Sunday, which was a great day and a wonderful day just to think about the resurrection of Christ. And yet through this week, we've kind of returned back to normal. And we're in that rut. It's just, it's just life as it's always been. And, and we begin to question if we're truly believers, truly followers of Jesus Christ. Now the reason John wrote 1 John wrote this letter and some believe it was just a sermon that he preached and it was put in, in a letter form. But the reason he, he uh, wrote that is because very early in church history before, toward the end of the first century um, there was a form of Gnostic Christianity that was being taught by Serenus. And Gnostic Christianity taught that the divine Christ at the baptism of Jesus, descended upon Jesus at that moment and stayed with him until just before the crucifixion and then it left, the divine Christ left Jesus because, as the Gnostics believe, um, the divine life cannot be killed. Divine life cannot end. And John knew what that meant and the effect that would have on what the true meaning behind the the crucifixion and forgiveness of sin and the resurrection, what it was all about. He knew that he needed to clear up, make it very clear to those Christians who was a true follower of Jesus Christ, a true believer in Jesus Christ. And John is in these verses that we'll look at this morning in 1 John 5, John is saying, this is who you are. This, these are the signs that, that uh, you will look at in your life and know that you are a Christian. Now, John loves signs. In the book of John, in the Gospel of John, there are the seven signs, and they are miracles. When Jesus did his first miracle at the wedding of Cana, uh, John said this was the first of many miracles. And what John is doing is taking these miracles, these seven miracles, and and saying that this is proof that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is God in the flesh. uh, And and the importance of that. Well, when you come to 1 John, it's the same thing. You find it over and over again that John is repeating himself a lot, like preachers do. But he is talking about the same thing. And here in chapter 5, he sums it all up. By giving us signs. Signs are important. Signs are needed. Signs save our lives. Uh, This coming week, um, uh, I'm sure this isn't bragging, but uh, this coming week, my best buddy in Tennessee and I are going to Ireland and Scotland. Uh, We've talked about this for 30 years. We made this deal 30 years ago that the uh, first one who became a millionaire would uh would pay the way for the other and we would go to scotland go to saint andrews you know I, I, this is good enough i know this saint andrew's is good enough but we're going to go to saint andrews and um, we would talk about it a lot and, and then last year we decided neither one of us is going to make it <laughs> <laughs> i mean we were baptist preachers most of our life you know that's big money and uh my, uh, my church that uh, I was at for so long, they, they prayed this prayer. Uh, Lord, you keep our preacher humble and uh, we'll keep him poor. And so uh, they, they did it. So anyway, we're, we were supposed to go last year and then some family issues and, and then Didi's Dee mom passed away. So anyway, we're supposed to go Tuesday. I've been getting ready for that because Dee Dee and I have been to Ireland twice and, of course, as, as you know, they drive on the wrong side of the road. And I've had plenty of experiences. So for the last couple days, I've been imagining in my mind driving on the, on the wrong side of the road. Uh, and there are signs that help you do that over there. And uh, when uh, we first went, we both knew that uh, the... the Steering wheel would be on the other side of the car and everything. We were even talking about it when we were walking out from the airport to the car, that the steering wheel is going to be on the other side. But you know what we do? We go to the side where the steering wheel is supposed to be. I open the door and I go, where in the heck is the steering wheel? And he said, it's over here. And so we switched side. Uh, and so for the first three days, I, you know, I like, when I drive, I like to look for the rearview mirror. Because I want, I want to see if the person I've hit is able to get up, you know, and and you know, so I can just keep moving and, and don't have to stop. And so anyway, I, I, I look at the rearview mirror, a lot. And so when driving over there, uh, you know, you when you're driving, I look over to the right uh, of the rearview mirror, and I'm always looking out the window. And, and in the car we had, there was a little sticker there that says, "rearview mirror on the left. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they knew I was coming. And uh, uh, you're pulling out of some of the parking lots there. They remind you that the traffic is coming from the right. You know how we are, we look, look to the left. It's even on the sidewalk, so uh, at the curb. Uh, they put it on the curb. That the direction of the, of the traffic uh, that is coming. The great place, or the, the greatest place that I, I love signs in, in Ireland is in the roundabouts, the traffic circles. <laughs> you know, you can get in those things, which I've done. And there might be five exits going out, and each exit's got like 10 names of towns that you're going to. And so the first time we went, we didn't have a GPS, and... And, uh, and so we would get in the, the roundabout, and I just went around and around and around. And Dee, Dee says, I didn't see it that time. We'd go back around and around, and, and then she said, I think I saw it, and then we'd come back around, and there it is, and I'd come back. I said, we better check one more time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but signs, uh, we need signs. We need signs to help us, and, and signs really give us an idea of, of how we're doing. If we're coming to Gainesville and we're coming down I-75 and it says Gainesville 20 miles and two or three minutes later it says Gainesville 10 miles the way it's supposed to, you know you're heading in the right direction unless you're going to Lake City. But you know you're heading in the right direction. It gives us an idea of what's going on and if we're making progress, if we're, we're headed in the right direction. And that is why John gives these signs to us not to condemn us and not to beat us up and not to bring us down, but he wants us to know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are true believers. And so the first sign we find in in chapter 5 and verse 1, I'm I'm going to be reading out of the uh, New Living Translation. uh, Verse 1 says, Everyone... Who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God in verse five, and he and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now I know we say, well, you know, how in the world did that get up there? Thank you, uh, good man. Um, I know the crowd's trying to get back in here. Um, I know we 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 say it a lot. We say it a lot. Well, we're all God's children. We every single one of us is God's children. And and in a sense, we all are. We have all been created in the image of God. There's no doubt about that. That we all bear in some way God's image. So in that sense, we are a child of God. But John goes much deeper. And much farther, he goes to that place where he wants us to know that we are a true child of God. And John says that if you are a true child of God, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ or that Jesus is the Messiah, he says you know that you have been born of God. You know that you are a child of God. That is the way that you... Come to understand that, that, that you are actually a, a child of God when you believe that Jesus Christ um, is the Son of God or is God. Now, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus that he had to be born again or born from above. Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, he's saying to us, all of us have been born naturally, but there is this supernatural birth, this birth that we can't uh, fully comprehend, but there is this birth that comes from God. And, and at that moment when our faith and our trust is placed in, 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 uh, in Jesus Christ, we are born. We are born into the family of God. In John chapter 20 and verse 31, John wrote this, But these were written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. If you have life today, if you have eternal life, life in the present, life in the future, it is because you believe in Jesus Christ. Now John goes on in in, uh, chapter 5 of of 1 John, in verse 6, he says this, and Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water and by shedding His blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is the truth, confirms it with this testimony. Now, if you were reading out of the, uh, uh, if you had a, a New Living Translation Bible in front of you, it has a footnote and where it says in verse uh, 6, and Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son. In the original language, it actually says, this is He who came by water and blood. And what's important about that is that John said that we, or that Jesus came, and we say, well, that's just part of the sentence. But John was referring to the incarnation, to, the, to, to God taking flesh. Jesus came into this world, and it was revealed, really, to the world at His baptism. We remember the great story and what took place in the Spirit descending and, and uh, hearing the, vo- the voice of God saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so John is saying that, uh, and really this is a, a, uh, a direct assault against what Sorrentus was teaching. He was saying that it was revealed or he was revealed by his baptism. And it was revealed also at His crucifixion, Him dying on the cross, that He was God, that He is the, the Son of God. And this was the testimony that was very important, and is even very important today, that God entered into this world through His baptism and His death. These were the facts. John said this, these are the important facts. John was assured of that because he, had, he was there at Jesus' uh, baptism. He was there at His crucifixion. He knew that that was the witness, but he says, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but the the, the Spirit is the one who assures us constantly that we are children of God. So in verses 7 and 8, John can say, we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and blood, and all three agree. So when we come to Christ, and we say we believe in Jesus Christ. It means that we, are, we have placed our trust in God's care in our life, for our life now and for our life in the future. We know that a forgiveness only comes through the power of, of, of Christ. That Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins. That Jesus has done all that is necessary for our salvation. It isn't anything that we've done. But it's all what Christ has done for us. And so that is the belief, when you read back in verse 4, that is the belief that overcomes the world. The belief that overcomes the godless, sinless world that comes at you. Um, It is the world that, that, uh, that, that does everything to tear down whatever is good in your life. It tears down the beliefs in God that you might have. But it is that faith, as John says, that overcomes the world. Anything that comes against us, it is the faith, it is the belief that Jesus Christ is God that overcomes this world. So the first sign is belief. The second sign is is love. In verses 1 and 2, the last part of verse 1, everyone who loves the Father loves his children. We know we love God's children if we love God. And obey His commands. John says there is no separation between the love of God or the love for God and the love for His children. If you are born of God, you will love His children. That can be tough. You know, we might say, well, I'm not outgoing and I don't raise my hands. I don't run the aisles or anything like that. So, But I can love God in my mind. And so a lot of us do. I mean, we read a, a passage from Scripture and it, it just speaks to us and, and it just opens so much uh, of our life uh, to God and what He wants to do. We get all excited about it and, and we don't, you know, raise our hand. We don't do any of that kind of stuff. But we do In our minds, we just pour out our love. The words it just come forth in our minds that we're loving God. We love God in our mind, and we might say, "Well, I, I love God's children in my mind too." And you know, I can say that. I, I, you know, I look around here today and say, "In my mind, I love God's children." Well, maybe not all of them, but, uh, but. uh, we love God's children. But what's going to happen if you hang around God's children long enough that one of them is going to do something you're just not going to like? I mean, you're perfect. But they're, they've got a long way to go. Uh, they don't believe exactly that you. I have, I have a, a, a friend who uh, we were roommates in, in uh, Baptist Bible College. And he is an orthodox priest now, and, and uh, he kisses icons and prays and, and, praise and uh, th- does all that stuff. And I go, are you kidding me? You know, that uh, you, you do stuff like that? Uh, you know, there are people who are Christians. I know this is going to be hard to believe. But there are Christians today who go to a church service that only lasts 45 minutes. That's that is ungodly. <laughs> you know we can go down we can go down this long list of tongue speakers or not tongue speakers of people that you know Christians vote for and who they didn't vote or you know just go on and on and on and on and on. And John says, "Do you love them? Do you love them? Because if you don't love God's children." You don't love God. You know, the motive for love of others and the motive of love for God is not based on feelings. It's not based on emotions. When you think about Christ going to the cross, you know, we really didn't need the passion of the Christ to give us some idea. I mean, that was bad what we saw on, on the screen. But we really didn't need that to, to, to get a glimpse of how bad and how terrible uh, what Christ went through on his way to the cross and dying on the cross. And we say that Jesus loves us, that God loves us. That's why he went to the cross. And if you want to see what love is all about, you look to the cross. Because it is the sacrifice that shows us that God loves us. And I honestly don't believe that Jesus had any really good feelings. And really, you know, man, I really love, I really love Don there. You know, I really, I, this is why I'm doing it. He did it because love is sacrifice. Love is giving of yourself. We find ourselves sacrificing when we don't want to. We find ourselves doing things for uh, uh, other Christians when we don't feel like it. There's no emotion of love, but we've come to understand that love means sacrifice. It's the giving of ourself. And so that's the second sign that John gives us. The third sign is obedience. In verse 3, loving God means keeping His commandments whether it's the ten in the Old Testament or the two great commandments that Jesus gave us of loving God and and loving our neighbor as herself. John wants us to know that we keep His commandments. Now I know that we uh, like to talk about, well, isn't being a Christian all about faith and grace and mercy? and, And it is. It's all that. And yet John says that because of the love that we have for God, the love that we have for our brothers and sisters, that the natural outgrowth of that will be to, to obey the, the commands. And when you go through the commands, it gives us an idea if we're following God or not. Um, that it is the commands that Show us and teach us uh, if we're heading in the right direction. Now John, he's pretty fast uh, in in saying that because as as soon as he said loving God means keeping his commandments, he says in the last part of verse three, and his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not stern. His commandments are not cruel. John was there when Jesus had this encounter with the Pharisees and He said to the Pharisees that you place undue burden upon people. That they were, to, they were there to teach and, and to give life and to offer hope and to offer life and yet they gave them the rules, these things you have to do if, if God's going to love you or if you're going to you know, go to heaven one day. These are the rules you follow. But John is saying that when you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, that there is this natural, uh, you, you naturally want to gravitate to, to please God, to love God, uh, to love your neighbor. And, and in that you're fulfilling all the commands that God has given you. And Yet if you find yourself this morning the commands of God are burdensome, God's placed a sign in your life. He wants you to be aware of what's going on in your life. Jesus said that uh, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And so you look at these three signs to believe, to love, to be obedient. And yet there's a couple things I want to say about those signs The first is that we don't obsess on the signs. When you go to uh, Orlando, you go to Disney World, pull in the parking lot and it says, Welcome to Disneyland. You don't get out of your car and stand under that sign and say, Man, this is everything I thought it would be. You know, three hours later, you're still standing under the sign. And say, Man, I'm having so much fun. Because the sign is isn't Disney World. Just because you see the sign, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have arrived. It just shows you that you're there. You just need to keep moving on. So many times we look at our lives and we find ourselves kind of feeling bad one day and we begin to wonder if... Um, if we're a Christian or not, and, and we become so focused on ourselves and on our lives that, that we begin to beat ourselves up. And we talk about how we, should, we, we don't do this, we do this, and we, we go on down this long list of, of things that we should be doing and we're not doing it. And before we know it, we, we're wondering if we're a Christian or not. Maybe we're not a Christian. Maybe I didn't know what I was doing when I was a little kid and accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe everything's just a fraud and we begin to doubt God. All because we're, we're focused, on, we're, we're obsessing on ourselves. The sign is just to tell us where we're headed. To help us to understand and help us to get to where we're going. So we can't spend all our time focused on ourselves and focused on, on uh, uh, how hopeless we are. Peter did say that, that uh, we need to make our calling and election sure, but we don't. We just don't focus on that all the time. If there is a problem in our life, the sign helps us to see that problem and to move on. The sign isn't to show us that God expects perfection. Um, Although John just uh, wrote about these signs and said a few believe and if you love and you're obedient and you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that you become perfect. The same one who told us about these signs and what it is to be a Christian also writes in chapter 1 verses 8 and 9, if you claim you have no sin, you're only fooling yourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The sign was placed there. We look over and see the sign. Believe. We see the sign of love. Maybe there's this convicting thought in our hearts and in our minds that says, you know, I didn't treat, I didn't treat uh, brother so-and-so like I should. Or I have said something that I shouldn't have said and it wasn't very Christ-like. We ask for forgiveness of that. And then we go make amends if we have to. John is writing because he wants us to know, beyond a shadow of doubt, when we're not feeling like it, that we are Christians, that we are believers, we are true followers of Jesus Christ. He wrote to Christians. He wrote to people who already were Christians because he wanted them to be assured and to know that they were a child of God. Verse 13 says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Know that you have eternal life. And why was that so important to John? Why was John so bent out of shape to make sure that we knew that that Jesus was the Son of God and that we are true believers? Because... In the very first verses of of his letter, in 1 John 1, he writes this, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The Life appeared, and we have seen it. We testified to it. And we proclaim it to you, the eternal life." which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. John had seen it all. John had seen the baptism, He saw all the miracles that Jesus had done. He experienced what was going on 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 Calvary's hill. He was a part of the resurrection and he saw that. He, He knew that it was truth. But he says that even more importantly than that, when he talks about the Spirit being the witness, the Spirit assures you today that you are a child of God. So on this low Sunday, I hope that if a sign, <clears throat> if a sign pops up, believe, love, obedience, that you won't <clears throat> you won't take that sign as God condemning you, but you take that sign as God showing There needs to be some work. There needs to be a change. You ask for forgiveness and you let God do his work in your life. Let us pray. (coughs) Our Father, as John wrote to us, it wasn't to condemn us, but it was to open our eyes that you place these guideposts. You place them in our life. That you want us to see them. You want us to be assured by them. And in those moments when we are needing forgiveness, that we will ask for for your forgiveness. God, today I pray that you will assure us that we are true believers. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let your light so shine before all men that they may see your good works. And thank you. Glorify your Father who is in heaven.